talking about disrupting the patterns disruption because that's what we that's where we are right now we got statues people just throwing statues just turning over statues um throwing them in the rivers and the canals i mean it's mere disruption out there good disruption i thought and yes. we just do that you know people call us fire starters you know good fire starters or troublemakers good troublemakers because we disrupt the patterns. We disrupt sometimes the way you think. We work to disrupt the way, you know, people practice certain type of institutionalized policies that you can't necessarily see on the outside, but feel as you're matriculating through those systems. So I'm really excited to have Kimberly here, Dr. McTarian from SOS, Save Our Sons, out yes. in North Carolina. And if we could just talk about really quickly, you know, what is one pattern that needs to be disrupted like right now today? Because I see the young people and they're out there protesting and they're out there saying enough is enough. And I'm not sure they know specifically, yeah, we know it been enough. And I, one of the things I must say before we even move forward is I repented and I repent for the part that I played in being complicit in allowing the systems to continue to do what it is doing without being so filled with righteous indignation a long time ago and going over and turning them damn statues over myself. I probably was scared right. to get arrested or, or, or whatever. Absolutely. But I, I thank God that this younger generation is just like, some people might call them lawless. Some people might call them fearless. I call them just fed up and I'm so grateful for them. And so, you know, we had to kind of just talk about, you know, what you're seeing out there, where are we going, and, and what patterns do we have to continue to, to disrupt in order to see the change that we know. And I don't know if we really know what should be versus what we know what we don't want. I don't know if we really know what we want. What do you think? Well, I think you said, well, when you talk about disrupting the patterns, um, and I think patterns are set by um, repetition. And I think what happens is that we have a government that offers its hand to support or um, protect its citizens. 
But what we find in the end is this magic trick that shows that they're not really helping, but they're perpetuating the damage. So why uh, did it take young people to be lawless, to remove statues that represent slavery, represent tyranny, represent the overthrow of um, humanity, the Native Americans? Why do you have to have a law to even be placed in legislation to remove it? So again, maybe the laws are for the lawless. And actually, they've created laws that protect their um, institutional racism. I think that's basically what we're looking at. And we didn't want to really face it. But again, we have a generation of young people who are not brainwashed. That's right. And uh, that's, I think that's the, the, the premise for what we're dealing with, is that we are no longer uh, allowing this. And, you know, I, I was saying the other day how Christianity have played this role of passivity. Where mm -hmm. America just has... Just on it, Jesus going to fix it, just go to yes. which, which is a real thing. I mean, you can't say that that's not a real thing in the faith. Like, when you've done all. I think that's the part they missed. When you have done all, then saying. I don't think a lot of us have done all. Right. Well, I think we use Christianity as a crutch. And really, is Christianity is more used for fear, more so than truth. And so if we believe in Christianity, if Jesus flipped over the table, then why haven't the Christians pulled down the statues? Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I, I, Jesus would have came against injustice. That's right. That I know for sure. Absolutely. So, so you know, what, go ahead. So what do you see when you see um, the youth today when we say disrupting the disrupting the pattern, give me a pattern that you feel needs to be disrupted, like right now, that maybe one is not disrupting. Um, delay, I think these tactics are uh, what I would call delay patterns. Uh, for instance, marijuana. Certain uh, states have accepted that marijuana should be legal. Certain states have not. Um, of course, we all know that marijuana doesn't do the damage that everyone is saying it does, no more than cigarettes do, or any other drug um, does. But so they choose to keep it illegal, uh, illegal because that's their way of um, capturing our men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So once we look at the practices that don't make common sense, you know, it's it came from the ground. If you left it, you know, if you left it alone, it will continue to grow and, and spread. And so there's nothing in it that's deadly. So why are you uh, continuing to criminalize the plant so that you can continue to criminalize uh, the that's population? A, that's definitely a pattern. Um, but it's still, to me, it's just, it's the, what do you call it? Like you always say, it's not the root cause it's a symptom yeah they'll arrest you for hell they're they, they killing you for nothing nowadays or killing right. us for nothing nowadays but if we talk about arrest let's talk about that because i have a pattern that i want to disrupt and i think if if our young people are out there and i hope and pray that they're listening i think if you always i always was taught to follow the money and i think that you know we talk conflicts of interest 
you know, these agencies who have these conflicts of interest laws that they don't even abide by on their own. And so, right. for example, when the federal government, the feds, give states certain type of monies to subsidize payroll for the police department, every town and city is police department is not 100% solely funded on that city's tax base or service base. A city gets its money through taxes and revenues, fees and services. And so typically what will happen is a place like city of Raleigh would apply for some federal grant monies and the feds will give them monies with these contingencies that, you know, arrests, certain amounts of arrests need to be made. And so I remember being in Raleigh, um, you know, a decade, not too long ago, but for a decade. And I remember, you know, questioning why the cops had to patrol certain areas and why wasn't the patrol men evenly distributed across the city. Although they would say so, but they were meticulous about patrolling certain communities because they knew it was easy to get the number. And so and so let's talk about how and I and I would love to get that research on that's the research you probably need to get from the city of Raleigh. Find out how much of their um what is it, their police budget. What happened to you, Find out how much of their police budget is actually paid for through Raleigh city taxes and revenue, and how much of their city budget is paid for through federal grants. Because I think that that's where you start to disrupt the pattern, because I think it's a conflict of interest. You have the feds giving the city the money, but with the understanding that you will send people our way, send them to federal prison, send them to county jail. And so, and it really county jail is only for misdemeanors or minor offenses that's under a year. So anybody doing more than a year has to go to the federal prisons because our prisons federally owned and some are privately owned, but federally owned. So the majority of the prisons in the United States are federally, the federal prisons are owned by the federal government. Very few are privatized, but it is a growing movement. Even some of the state detention centers are now being privatized. As far as, um, for instance, the ones that are in Georgia that are immigration detention centers, um, those are county jails, but they're owned privately. And even though they cooperate with ICE, it's almost like a partnership uh, between them, between the agencies. Whether they're private or not, they all need beds to fill. So they make sure they stay in close connection as, as affiliates so that they can funnel the money through. So when they say police reform, what are we really talking about? How do you, is it, are we really talking police reform or are you talking federal prison policy reform? Like, can you address police reform without addressing the federal government? Well, I, I think, I think it's a, a combination of all. I think you can't fight any battle in this manner going in with one fist. I think you have to come at various angles because they've used various angles to attack us. Um, for instance, they've used the, um, the criminalization of marijuana. They've used the criminalization of certain drugs, uh, crack versus opiates, um, how they handle it. You know, what population is going to be vulnerable to it. So you stifle or you, um, I remember looking at the art of war and one of the ways that you disenfranchise or you break down your enemy 
is you cut you cut off supply. You cut off the supply of, of employment. You cut off the supply of resources. And what I really want to make people, Americans, understand is that though we're in America, one of the hugest things that we really have to be careful about is marketing propaganda. Um, during the Nuremberg trials, um, though there was a minister of propaganda, basically, who was tried. Um, the United States and his allies tried the Nuremberg trials the um, minister of propaganda because they use propaganda every day to brainwash the people of Germany. That's how you got everybody involved to believe in a certain way that Jews should be killed. And there is no less fascism or these tactics that are used in America. After a while, you begin to believe that these people are demons or these people are criminals. Um, you use you use the media. Oh, you thing. use. I mean, and then we 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 create a self uh, fulfilling prophecy when we begin to call ourselves savage, or we start calling ourselves. I'm you know I'm the villain. You know all of our rap songs start saying, "Yes, we'll kill you. We're this. We're that." You know we start we start buying into the language and to the lifestyle because what they do is they'll give money to a couple of guys um, and glamorize it. And before you know it, you got hordes of young people moving towards, and so for white children, it may be entertainment, but for us, we're trying to actually bring street credibility so that we can authenticate this lifestyle that has been perpetuated in our community. Mm -hmm. You just said something right there that I want to make sure we drop home and not make people forget. One pattern, another pattern we can disrupt is in the media, the music business. How come all black rappers are paid to just, just totally, um, what's the word, um, not humiliate, just, just disrespect? black women why do the black songs the black rappers why do they have to rap about drugs and sex and the things that just tear our community up but you don't see no white rapper really out there uh, right. just disrespecting women to that degree you'll see no country artists out there doing it you won't see no no blues you know what i'm saying so i'm just so perplexed at the fact that here we have this genre that absolutely is perpetuating these stereotypes, creating, like you said, these lifestyles. That's a pattern we need to interrupt. Whoever is at the top of these um, music labels that's mm -hmm. saying that we will only give you a label if you talk about this, that, and the third. That's the devil right there. And we sign on to it. So we become just as complicit in the process Absolutely. And I, and we, and I give shout out to people like Chance and Kendrick who really kind of do their own independent thing. Like, you want to disrupt the pattern? You want to be a rapper? Go independent. No longer sell your souls and your lives over to the, to the music industry. Have your voice be authentically yours to say what it is you need. I think technology has leveled the playing field for support, you know, um, along that lines. But you said something just powerful. It just kind of Right, because you know the music is the message is in the music, and if you continue to use the message, the music, to push your message, then after a while people begin to hear that. Absolutely. We're going to begin to perpetuate that in our culture, in our everyday living. Absolutely. And then, well, you know, once it becomes acceptable, 
then we now created a profile for ourselves. We become our own target base. So you, you know, do self-destruction and what sick society would, would allow this to become our social norm. You know, so again, we have to just, we have to come after those industries that, you know, first of all, mm. for our legislation to interrupt our, our advancement because life is supposed to advance. And I'm, I don't, I shouldn't have to shoot, kill, or, or override your life just so I can get ahead. That's not what's happening in the Mexican community, the Hispanic community. They don't have to shoot everybody to get ahead. They don't need a rap song to declare I shot everybody. You know, so then why are we subjected to that mindset? And we have to call that out. So let me because ask you this. Our government who, who first, we should have been the most protected race. We should have been protected Says first. Says who? The government that harmed us. Mm -hmm. The government that disparaged us. You have a duty, if you say serve and protect, and you know for 400 years, you've disenfranchised, you've manipulated, you've cooked the books, you've cooked the books, uh, you've, cooked the books, cooked the books. you've burned the books, you've, hey, God. you've removed books and education, you've replaced it with your education, you've defrauded, and then you still say we serve and protect. We have to stop that language and say, excuse me, what are you serving and who are you protecting? Because it's certainly not us. And if we're going to be the educators, then we have to say, this is how we need to be protected. And then they'll say, well, all lives matter. No, black lives matter. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was about to say that. All, all, other, all, other, all other races have always mattered. Then they shame us for saying it. They mm -hmm. shame us, but they're not ashamed to put their statues up. So well, let me ask you this question, because this is, yeah. you know, it's conversation. You know, so if you say, if people say all lives matter, when people say that, which is true, it's not a fact that we're negating, but what we're saying here, Black Lives Matter. Okay, but what, then what do people say when, or what, how do you respond to people that say, well, if Black Lives Matter, how come they don't matter when we in the street shooting our own selves, when we in the community, you know, selling crack to our own community, killing our own people, why black lives don't matter then? Or is it because you believe the propaganda? Is that, is that what it is? Absolutely. And l let me just say this. When it comes to, you know, let's go back to the form of education. Let's talk about, as me as an educator, I understand that the rules and regulations were made um, only to fit the definition of their lifestyle, not ours. So when you talk about violence, for instance, I had this discussion with other protesters about peaceful protests, and I've heard so many black people at this time say, we're having a peaceful protest. They have to notify white America first that, hi, we're going to be peaceful. They never said, we're coming out here to protest this issue. They have to notify white America because they're not notifying black America that they need to be peaceful. True. So I don't feel notified when that happens. Right, exactly. So again, we have to talk about terminology, definition, and who they are, who is it directed to and for. So when you say all lives matter, 
we have to say, well, if they mattered, then we shouldn't have to have our black uh, box, a black box. We shouldn't even have to have affirmative action. We shouldn't have to have uh, EEOC if we all matter. We shouldn't have to have um, a felony or a misdemeanor um, box. I mean, I agree. I agree. So then I, don't know, I don't. I don't know if people are willing to. While we're out here protesting and, and, and doing all of this wonderful stuff, I love for this the statues just falling. Nancy Pelosi, she done took the stuff down in the in the Capitol building. I'm like, oh Nancy, that's a big boss move that yeah. you did. Yay. But I, I will tell you this, I don't know if we're really ready to live a lifestyle free from the things we contribute to make the shit the shit. Oh, sorry. I promised I was gonna stop cursing. I'm trying. <laughs> um, but I don't know if we're ready, like are rappers ready to not sign the deal? Are they ready to continue to be broke? Are they ready to force for self-preservation, the long game for community preservation for I am my brother's keeper. Are you ready to not sign that deal and not say those explicit lyrics? Are we ready to, you know, denounce certain type of affiliations and memberships? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, let me just say this. In darkness comes light. And darkness is in law. You always start at law. And who's protecting the law? Because laws have to be protected. So we, we never start with the rappers. The rappers just sing the song of the, of the culture. They're like the gospel. They sing a gospel song. They speak the truth. Now, we may not like it. But they, they speak a truth. They talk about the drugs. They talk about they talk about promiscuity. Why? They're not getting married. You have two different households. You have some, you know, they're talking about um, the the music is conducive to the lifestyle. And the lifestyles are all puppeteered by legislation. So okay. if you let's go to the root, the root is not the song. The song will change when the legislation changes. Well, what legislation says what? Freedom of speech says that you have to do that? What legislation Absolutely. Well, see, here's the thing. You're puppeted by your government. If your government rapes you, that's what you talk about. So when your government rapes you, it comes out in the music. If God is good to me, I sing God is good to me. If, if, I, am, if I lost my job, I sing the blues. If I lose, if I uh, lost my husband, I sing the blues. If I get a new job, I sing about God's greatness. If your government rapes you, robs you, puts you in housing, and, and gives you drugs, then all of my songs is going to talk about crack. It's going to talk about, you know, your mother, your dad, where he was. J. Cole talks about his mother's house being foreclosed on. So let's talk about that's the gospel. Hi, J. Cole, and we will talk with you later. So we're they're speaking the gospel. Once we come at the legislation and strip it of its rights to defraud its people, we will hear liberty song. Mm. All right. Well, I know one thing. We're trying to keep these little podcasts short, sweet, to the point, giving you some food for thought. Um I am going to, I think on that note, we'll probably start a new episode, but at this point, I think we should just exit on that note, come back, kind of take a little break, come back, because that was good. 
Um, that was good. Can I live? Hey. Can I live? 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 Can I live?